Hi, this is Rita Hogan, and welcome to the Dogs Are Individuals podcast. I'm a clinical canine herbalist, and I've been practicing for over 20 years. This podcast is all about your dog through an herbal lens. So let's get to it and dive right in. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. This is Rita Hogan, your host. We're getting to it, right? Today, we're talking about dampness, but first I want to take a moment to thank my sponsor, realmushrooms.com. I have a couple things to say. So Real Mushrooms is just doing a wonderful job at research and outreach and veterinary education for using medicinal mushrooms with dogs and cats and other types of animals. I'm really excited about this. And I'm kind of, you know, I really commend them for doing that. One thing I did notice and want to mention, I think I've mentioned this before, but I just want to put it out there again. If you're using mushrooms for cancer, okay, you need to use a material dose. That means a lot, okay, a lot. So let's just say, for instance, turkey tail, And of course, this is going to be individual to your dog. So get some coaching about how much to use and work your way up to these dosages unless you don't have a lot of time. And then you can just start straight off and deal with the consequences, I guess. But you don't want to make your dog any more, you know, give your dog any more discomfort than they already have. So working your way up, even if it's over a three to five day period, you want to start out a little slower, see what their reaction is but try to work your way up to a material dose with mushrooms because they can upset the stomach, like turkey tail, cordyceps, maitake, reishi. They can upset the stomach. They have a bitterness to them. So they have an interaction with the gallbladder and the liver for the most part, those types of mushrooms. You want to give with a little bit of food. Okay, just a little bit of food. Not a lot of food, but a little bit of food. Uh, if your dog is having pro- any problems digesting them or having them in their stomach alone. And, uh, you know, it is hard to get those types of mushrooms in your dog's stomach unless you're using a tincture. But uh, you can use a tincture or an extracted powder. But you really want to give a material dose. So let's just take, for instance, the turkey tail hot water extracted powder by real mushrooms. So say your dog had osteosarcoma. Let's just say your dog was a golden retriever, okay? I would like to see up to six to eight grams of mushrooms a day. Six to eight grams of mushrooms a day. You'd start at a half gram and then you'd, you know, a few days later, you'd do a gram twice a day, okay? And work your way up to six to eight grams Once a day, if your dog is handling it well, you could even go to twice a day. Because with cancers, you need a hammer, okay? You need to push the body into a certain direction. And that's really important with with mushrooms. And someone asked me, you know, I'm giving my dog, my dog has, you know, such and such cancer and I'm giving them 500 milligrams twice a day that is not going to do it for mushrooms, okay? It's not going to do it. And a lot of cancer dogs and people have assimilation issues. So not all of that is getting assimilated into the body. 
And when you're using dried extract powders, you also, things are being digested by the gut. So you want to take that into consideration. And I know sometimes my experience with cancers, I've used both the dried powder from real mushrooms and then I've also used the liquid extract like in a tincture, for instance, with our other sponsor, Adored Beast Apothecary, you could use their turkey tail in tincture form as well as in conjunction with real mushrooms. Okay, so thank you so much to our sponsors, uh, realmushrooms.com and Adored Beast Apothecary. I will say a couple words at the end of the podcast about them. And I just like to give kind of learning Shout outs to our sponsors instead of the blah, 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 blah. Thank you for us, you know, that kind of stuff. But that is definitely something to take into consideration and get some coaching over and some guidance over is using material dosages of mushrooms for cancer. All right. So the meat and potatoes of our episode is dampness. I had an inquiry on the podcast email at canineherbalist.com. Wanted to know about dampness is taking my energetics course and wants a little more clarification from moi. I can do this. I can do this. I can definitely talk about dampness. So dampness is too much unbalanced moisture in the body. And a lot of dogs are damp. So if your dog has a yeast infection, they're damp. If your dog has lipomas, they're damp. Okay, and antibiotics, antibiotics cause dampness and a lot of dogs are getting a lot of antibiotics. Rooting their lives, yes, definitely. Saving their lives, sure, absolutely, but we need a balance and a lot of these things are unbalanced and dampness is unbalanced moisture in the body and grasping the water element inside your dog's body that is an ecosystem, right? Your dog's body is an ecosystem and very reflective of nature. The water element is very important to get. And I learned this from my mentors, specifically Matthew Wood. He taught me that the water element in the body includes water, fats, and oils, not just water, water, fats, and oils. And when I got that, Boom. Like I was just like, I mean, that was a long, long, long time ago. However, when I got it, when I really got it, it opened things up on how to heal the body and how to balance the body. Because when you're just looking at water, when I say moisture, you might immediately think water, but it's water, fats, and oils inside the body. And so you're you're going to embrace the what's called the lymphatic system because it's in charge of fats and oils. So that's going to be included. You're going to include the blood because we have plasma and water. So the entire venous system is going to be included in balancing the water element. And when the water element is imbalanced, it creates stagnancy. And stagnancy is not good. So when I say that your dog is a reflection of nature, right, and that they're an ecosystem you want to look at what water does in nature. Okay, so when things are out of balance, water gets stagnant. Like think of the bayou, the swamp, the green film over the top of water. 
Okay, there's not enough movement. There's an imbalance in, there could be a balance in the microflora of that body of water. And things stagnate and get it get soupy and nasty. And that's kind of indicative of a yeast infection. Slowing down, stagnating, building up yeast, getting stinky, getting thick, thick fluids. And then water can also overflow and rage, and it can come pouring out, runny nose, soupy ears, discharges from the genitals, discharges from the anus. Yes, I said genitals and anus. You have to just get used to it when you're dealing with dogs. So, you know, and you could have incontinence. Incontinence is definitely can be an imbalance of the moisture element. Not all incontinence, but some incontinence. So you want to establish in energetics, you want to establish the warm and cool first, and then you're going to look at the moisture element. All right. The interesting thing and the important thing about the moisture element is that it helps hormones distribute themselves and it helps assimilate nutrients and distribute, distribute nutrients. So the lymphatic system distributes fat-soluble nutrients and hormones and toxins. And then the veins, the blood vessels, the vascular system, it transports water-soluble toxins and fats and oils and hormones, all right? So you need that this transportation system, the lymphatic system and the vasculature, okay, veins, arteries, capillaries. These, this is the superhighway of the body, okay? That's how fluids get exchanged. And balance is definitely the key word to this because too much dampness or even dryness, but that's another conversation. I already did a podcast on dryness. Too much dampness promotes nutrients getting raging and overflowing and spilling out. And then you can also get, remember, it's not just nutrients we're talking about. We're also talking about toxins and toxins accumulate, right? Toxins accumulate and toxins accumulate in both dry and damp conditions. They just express themselves differently. So excess fluid affects your dog's metabolism. It decreases circulation. It messes with your dog's gastrointestinal tract. And you can get stagnant lymphatics. You can get stagnant lymph nodes and lymphatic swelling. Swelling is the key word there. And when the body is too moist, you're going to see excess mucus. Your, mucus is not a bad thing. Okay, we'll have a podcast on mucus someday, I'm sure. But it's not a bad thing. You need a balance of mucus. So when the body is too moist, you'll see, again, excess of mucus. And the water builds up in the body's elimination system. A good way to look at dampness in general is to ask yourself the question, where do mushrooms grow? Hmm? Just take, take a moment, think about it. What conditions do you need for fungi to flourish? I think of my surroundings, the PMW. We have wetness. It's a wet forest floor. Okay, we have, a lot of times we have stagnancy and it's a perfect medium for mushrooms. You'll see mushrooms 
given the right condition, you'll see lots of mushrooms. And dampness is pretty much the number one requirement for growth of mushrooms in the forest floor. And that is a really important way to look at it because when you have a damp dog, you most likely are going to have fungal overgrowth. And, you know, that's a spectrum too. You can have just really light fungal overgrowth and you can have heavy duty, really detrimental yeast infections. All right. So another thing with dampness is you have dogs that start to pant when it's like over 65 degrees out or if there's any humidity, they start to pant. It's Dampness gives you a sensitive, like a, a sensitivity to humidity, both internally and externally. So... I think stagnant water is the perfect medium for yeast. And some damp-related conditions in the body is, you know, thick fluids, the thickness of fluids out of the eyes, out of the, the anus, the penis, the vagina, um, the ears, the nose. Any type of thickness of fluids is dampness or pouring out of fluids, like I said before. And then we have lipomas is another sign of dampness. And lung congestion, so congested breathing, different kinds of sweat, swelling, cloudy urine, hot spots can be dampness. Not all the time, but they're a good like to add to another symptom. Sebaceous cysts is a sign of dampness. Greasy skin, Arthritis can be dampness and it also can be dryness. So it's again, one of those add to other cofactors. Irritated skin, like consistent, itchy, irritated skin that's not too dry. Zits on the chin, heavy, exaggerated wet tongue or hypothyroid. And if you look at the tongue, you might have scalloped edges, right? Or a tongue that spills over the teeth. You can't see the teeth underneath because the tongue is just so kind of big and wet. And then you have things like food sensitivities and leaky gut. Now, those can be associated with dryness as well, but they are an add to cofactor. And loose stool, definitely leaking anal glands, chronic mucus in the stool. I did mention fungal infections, definitely fungal infections, lack of muscle tone. So, your dog kind of looks swollen. Low stomach acid, which can happen in dryness and dampness. Runny eyes, runny nose, I mentioned those, hypothyroid, kind of too much wax in the ears can be related to dampness. So severe dampness is a major issue because it messes with elimination and nutrition and definitely causes what I would call tissue decline. And you see things like where things get loose and weak. So like I said, you know, like leaky anal glands, that it's very loose and weak. So that means that we have a more severe case of dampness. Severe dampness really creates an environment where I think there's, you know, this buildup of water, it lacks tone. It, you know, it's spongy, spongy. And you have a circulation issues from fluid buildup. Okay, so instead of like with dryness, you have a lack of fluid. Here you have too much fluid. Again, a swamp, 
that swampy, stagnant water that just can't flow anywhere. It's, it's definitely trapped. Okay, that's what you call damp stagnation. Okay, it happens when the lymphatic system and the elimination system slow way down and they thicken fluids and everything starts to deteriorate. And the water element, it nourishes and it controls elimination. So when elimination decreases, and for those of you, elimination is going pee and going poo. Also, you can eliminate through the skin. You can eliminate through the ears, the eyes, all right? So just wanted to explain elimination if you if you don't understand that. So again, the water element, it brings nutrition and it helps control elimination. And that involves, you know, the lungs, the kidneys, the colon, the skin, the elimination channels. The liver is also a like a system component, uh, like an integral component of the elimination system because it detoxifies things. It processes toxins. It doesn't eliminate directly, but it definitely works with the lymphatic system and and the lymphatic system doesn't eliminate directly. So the liver and the lymphatic system work together to send things to either the large intestine or the kidneys to be eliminated. So let's talk about a little more kind of things that go with dampness, right? So dampness can affect the entire ecosystem of your dog's body, right? And here's the crazy thing. And this is kind of like dampness advanced. You can get dryness from dampness. I know it's kind of crazy, right? It's kind of crazy. But think of a dam. You know, water is dammed up. It's so stagnant that it's stuck and then everything downstream starts to get dry. And that is dryness from dampness. So not every symptom of dryness, you can have like dandruff and a dog that's covered in lipomas because inside their body is most likely some severe stagnancy. The body, lipomas are actually just brilliant in that the liver is really helping the body protect itself from circulating toxins, which we do not want. Okay, so it, they, it, it walls them up in lipomas. Lipomas are filled with fat cells and toxins. And they also can have some weird stuff in them. I've seen them explode and that's another conversation. I think we did have a podcast on lipomas, so check that out. But yeah, so when we're dealing with dampness, we want to kind of identify your dog's warm or cool spectrum or state. We want to, is my dog a warm dog? Is my dog a cool dog? Or is my dog a hot dog or a cold dog? And dampness really is in that range a lot of the time between cool and cold. It doesn't mean that a hot dog can't be damp either. There's damp heat and uh, that's another conversation, but your yeah, hot dog definitely can be damp. But for the most part, like my go-to would be that the dog is cool. However, I have had plenty, plenty of dogs with damp heat and dogs that have yeast infections that are not cool dogs. So it's not an absolute. 
It's just saying it's my first go-to when looking at energetics. So you want to establish energetics first and then establish the moisture element so that you can know if you're dealing with damp heat or if you know that you're dealing with like a stagnant, damp stagnation, more cool body process. Because with deep dampness, you're going to get all of the metabolic, which means just the bodily processes just to stay alive. They're all going to become stagnant. Like in my energetics course, I think I called it stupefied. Just like for all you Harry Potter fans, stupefy. And everything gets super slow and just like that, right? All the cellular activity slows down. Again, metabolic just means the patterns in your dog's body for everyday living slows down. And so that means that nutrients aren't getting absorbed like they should at the rate that they should. And toxins aren't getting eliminated at the rate that they should. That's what that means. And like severe dryness, severe dampness can cause the same problem. It causes waste accumulation. And that means that the liver can get congested and it can't do its job for your dog's ecosystem. And so what does the liver do? It protects itself and it pushes toxins to the skin. And when dogs are significantly damp, they get hotspots. They itch like crazy. Uh, they get skin eruptions and, you know, like lipomas, like sebaceous cysts, like severe skin acne. And you want to know that most of the time when you have a lot of skin conditions, your dog's liver, kidneys, and large intestine and gastrointestinal tract need some loving in the oven, okay? They need some love and support because the kidneys are the foundation for the water element. They play a key role in the ecosystem because they're dealing with water-soluble toxins. And that is really important to understand. The issue with kind of looking at dampness is that it's it's it mimics, right? It mimics other energetics and other conditions. It also has a cascading effect. It affects the entire dog as ecosystem. And I think the liver and the lymphatic system definitely take on the biggest load. When the lymphatic system is backed up, like especially for long periods of time when you have like deep stagnation, you get tumors, you get lipomas. And these, these growths can be either benign or cancerous depending on other factors that are going on in the body. And that's why we need clean livers and clean kidneys and clean lymphatics because we want to assimilate nutrients and eliminate toxins. If you've listened to any of my podcasts, usually I will tell you that the body is about assimilation and elimination and balancing those elements. So that all involves the vital force, which is the force in the body that animates us, that animates your dog, that moves things, that governs things, however you want to call it, whatever you want to call it. I call it the vital force. You can call it whatever you want. I, the universal energy that animates every living being. And that vital force, when things get super, super bogged down, that vital force goes downward 
and it stagnates as well. So when you're working with your dog, you, with dampness, I definitely would look at the vital force. You know, sometimes when I'm working with a client, we'll make strides in the dampness department and they'll say, you know, my dog started playing with his toys again. He's so excited about life. He's running around like he's a puppy. That's because he feels better. He's not so stagnant and bogged down. You know, look at your dog's eyes. Are they sparkling? Do your dog seem alert? With too much dampness, again, that vital force just slows down. Okay, slows down. Let's go over a couple of other cofactors that you can look at when it comes to too much dampness. I think that for kind of an underlying thing, you're going to look for excessiveness in these departments. So again, lipomas, acne, sebaceous cyst, leaky gut, food allergies, constipation, bacterial overgrowth, lack of energy, dull eyes, slow wound healing, cool skin, not always, undigested food in the stool. I would say a uh, kind of like herbalists say scanty, but a low urine volume, not a lot of peeing going on, or when they're peeing, not a lot coming out. Retaining of fluids, a white coating on the tongue, that usually indicates coolness, or a yellow coating on the tongue, that's usually heat. Not always, it depends, but yeah, if it's obvious is what I'm saying. And again, I talked about the tongue spilling out and and scalloped edges. A lot of times scalloped edges is gonna go with dampness and hypothyroid, all right? Hypothyroid is, is scalloped edges is a big indicator of possible hypothyroid. So that's like kind of how dampness plays out in the body. There, there definitely is more to this for sure. You can check out my energetics course at canineherbalism.com. And yeah, my energetics course goes over a lot more to do with dampness and talks about all the different herbs that you can use for dampness. I'm just going to be talking about a few, a few of my faves. But one thing I did want to talk about and I wanted to clarify was that that whole like cool, damp, hot, uh, cold, damp, hot, damp, right? Damp heat. When I said that dampness can cause dryness, I want to clarify that. And, and I was thinking as I was speaking here about damp heat and just giving you an example Okay, you have a dog that is dry, but yeasty. I know I use this example in my energetics course, but it's such a great example. So you have a yeasty dog, but they also have dryness on the outside. Now, you know that fungus is a damp condition, right? But what is causing the dryness? And what this is, is it's the heat. What does, and when you look at nature, right? What does the sun do when it's really hot? It bakes everything down, okay? So when you have a dry, yeasty dog, we've got damp, like we've got the heat baking down the damp, okay? Baking down those fluids and causing dryness because dampness decreases circulation. And when circulation decreases, it builds heat, all right? So you have everything starts to slow down, but you still have that heat and it's baking down those fluids and you get dryness. So when you have dryness and dampness, 
okay? When you've got like a yeasty condition plus dryness, you know that you've got a more advanced condition going on, right? You have a more advanced condition going on. And I just wanted to say that. Okay, so let's talk a few about a few herbs that are my faves for dampness. The first one is very popular. It is dandelion and it's it's everywhere, right? The thing about dandelion is that dandelion is cooling. Okay, dandelion is cooling and it's drying and it's bitter. You can use the root, the leaves, the flowers. You can use it as a tincture, a glycerate, uh, an infusion. And you can even decoct the root. That's when you make like a simmer of the root and then you uh, strain it. I love dandelion because it's so versatile and it really helps deal with dryness in general. So you'll want to match up dandelion's affinity towards the liver, the gallbladder, the kidneys, the digestive system, the lymphatic system. It hits all those, it kind of hits all those bases of dampness and it's good for damp heat and it has, it, it cools heat and it dries up dampness. Okay, so good for that dog that I just talked about with the damp, heat, yeasty, yeasty, dry, but it's dryness from dampness, okay? So it seems counterintuitive, but if you're sure about the dampness, then clearing up the dampness is going to bring back the moisture, okay? Getting the water to be less stagnant Opening up that dam is going to bring moisture back to the land past it, okay? That's how that works. It's, it's Sometimes it's hard to get your, your head around it, right? Hard to get your head around it. I'm just going to deal with a couple of uh, my, like, we'll just do two and two. So my other favorite, like, warm, damp condition herb is yarrow. Achillea milfolium. It is cooling, but it's also balancing and it's stimulating. It can help push through that dampness. It it dries up. It's not too drying. Like I said, it's very balancing and it helps with circulation, which is very important when it comes to damp stagnation. So that stagnant, like veinous fluids that negatively, uh, that negatively affect nutrition and elimination. Yarrow, white yarrow is really a tonic and it's an alterative, which means that it helps correct everything that's going on uh, nice and slow. So it's a slow and steady wins the race uh, herb for this particular situation because it really has an excellent action on the portal vein and systemic inflammation. And remember the portal vein is how the liver and the small intestine speak to one another through blood fluids, okay? Through water soluble toxins and nutrition. So I love yarrow, okay? Yarrow. Now, another herb that I absolutely love for stagnation, and this is for, you know, I would say cool and warm dogs, not hot dogs, but warm dogs. It's slightly warming, okay? It's, and that's on a spectrum and dogs are individuals, so you have to try it out for yourself. But I've definitely seen the drying effects of this remedy, but it also gives so much nutrition while it's working its magic. And that is nettles, okay? Urtica diosia. There's different types of nettles and they're, I would say they're 
mildly interchangeable. Nettles, we're using the leaf here, and they are definitely an effective kidney remedy. They help support the kidneys on getting rid of toxins. They balance the water element. They balance water, blood, plasma, fats, and oils. And it's, it's just a really nourishing, balancing, damp, drying plant. Give it consistently, okay? Just keep giving it and you'll see a lot of the dampness dry up over a period of time. It's definitely an herb that's safe to give over a period of time. The one thing you do want to be aware of is when you give it, don't give a ton of extra trace minerals or minerals because it's very high in minerals. I like to give it as an infusion over the food, but you can give it as a tincture, all right? An infusion over the food in a bowl, make sure that your bowl is, I like to use glass bowls myself, but a quarter inch of nettle infusion and just infuse it. That's like making a tea until it's nice, dark and green. Let it cool and put it over the food. The nettles can last, you can do it you know, daily, twice a day in food. You can make it fresh every day. It's lovely because it increases elimination and it cleanses what's called the extracellular matrix. And that's the liquid between the cells. And that liquid between the cells is very important at supporting the lymphatic and the immune system. And also nettles is a lovely anti-inflammatory. It brings down inflammation, which we can all use. And again, it's balancing like yarrow. It helps with stagnancy. So just a lovely, lovely plant. I mean, again, if I had to be on a desert island with one plant, I'm pretty sure it would be nettles. So another herb that I like, I mean, I could go on for days about that. So take my energetics course um, because it it definitely will help with this. But this herb isn't really a herb. It's a mushroom. It is reishi and it's Ganderma lucidium. It's great for dogs that are cool. It's bitter and drying and warming. And you can definitely use it as a hot water extracted powder, like from real mushrooms. You want to put it in food because it's quite bitter. You might want to give it in a capsule. Again, it's quite bitter, very, very bitter, and it tastes like shite. But you can give it as a tincture or a glycerate, a tincture that's been made a tincture and then made into a glycerate. I usually drew about one drop per pound of weight for a glycerate. And the fruiting body... For this purpose, I would say extra small dog, one sixteenth of a teaspoon, small dog, one eighth, medium, one quarter, large, one half, extra large dog, one half plus a teaspoon for every, I would say, 20 pounds. It's a really great addition because it it moves downward in the body. It has a systemic effect. It definitely is drying. It's restorative. It decreases histamine and brings down oxidation so the liver can work better. So it's an anti-inflammatory and it's very balancing and it's very nourishing and it helps restore the nervous system. A lot of times when you get severe damp stagnation or dryness, the uh, even though I, I wouldn't use this herb with severe dryness at all, just plain dryness is fine, but I would use it with other moisturizing herbs, but it can help restore the nervous system. And it's an adaptogen, so it helps with stress. It's high in polysaccharides and reishi can really have that initial moistening effect, but 
using it long term, you're going to get that drying influence. Okay. You're going to get that drying influence. And um, so I guess I'm going to include one more herb here for dogs that are, you know, this would be for a dog that's cold, not a dog that has a history of seizures, but rosemary. Rosemary gets a bad rap because of the whole seizure thing. But, you know, I don't have a problem with rosemary. I love rosemary. Dogs love rosemary. I don't use it for dogs that have a history of seizures. I do use it externally. I have no problem with that. I haven't had a lot of issues with certain constituents in rosemary that are isolated, but um, using the whole plant on a seizure dog, I don't take that risk. However, most dogs don't have seizures. And rosemary, let me make this very clear, does not cause seizures in dogs that don't have seizures. It can, like, this is not in my experience of this plant. However, some of the research says that because it's stimulating, it can bring on a seizure for dogs that have a history of active seizures, okay? They have active seizures. Don't use rosemary. That's all I tell people. Don't get all up in a hussy. Just don't use rosemary when your dog has seizures. It's simple. There's lots of other plants that can be used in lieu of rosemary. Like ginger. Okay, ginger can be used in lieu of rosemary. Uh, I love rosemary. It's warming, it's drying, it's astringent. It helps with, it's stimulating, like I said, and it's circulating. It helps with circulation. You can use the leaf and flower. Uh, you can use a tincture, a glycerate. Um, I love it because it is warming and stimulating. And like, I would say like burdock root or hawthorn, rosemary helps stimulate bile and affects the fats and oils of the body. Okay, it's it really helps deal with fats and oils and helps balance that. Because remember, fats and oils are the theme for the moisture element in both dryness and dampness because it's the moisture element and balancing them is really important. Rosemary is very high in volatile oils and it affects the myelethin sheath. And remember the myelethin sheet is coated in oils. You need good oils to have healthy oils to have a healthy nervous system and to have to assimilate uh, oil-based nutrients. Okay. I love rosemary for dampness. And it does have, again, an initial moisturizing effect, but long-term rosemary is drying. And it can increase moisture in the digestive system. And I learned that from my mentor, Sejia Popham, uh, an excellent, excellent herbalist uh, found here uh, along with me in Washington state. Um, Rosemary, he said, rosemary increases secretions of the liver and gallbladder, having a short-term moistening influence upon digestion. But because the fluids ultimately leave the body, it will have a long-term drying influence. So I love that about rosemary. Okay, and ginger, again, is nice and it's also drying and it's hot. Okay, so it's good for severe dampness. All right. So those are a few. That's a little bit about dampness. I hope you enjoyed it. 
Uh, if you have any questions, write out the podcast or take my energetics course at canineherbalism.com. Thanks to my sponsor, Adored Beast Apothecary. I can't thank you enough, really. Adored Beast Apothecary has always been there for me when it comes to making great products and giving good education about those products and how to use those products and why you should use those products and what is in their products, where it is sourced from. I love all that about a company. So check them out, adoredbeastapothecary.com. They are giving our listeners 15% off with the coupon Herbs Rock. All caps, herbs rock, 15% off. And that makes every day a sales day. Love it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Dogs Are Individuals. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review in your podcast app. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So if you love Dogs Are Individuals podcast, share it with your friends and family who love dogs. This will help me so much. And remember... As a listener, I appreciate you. Much thanks to Resonant Media, my podcast production team. This podcast is produced by Drake Peterson and edited by Mike Fry. Any questions? Email the show. Go to canineherbalist.com, click podcast contact in the menu, and then fill out that form, and I'll answer any questions here online. Okay, so thank you so much for listening to this episode of Dogs Are Individuals podcast, and I'm going to talk to you in our next episode. The content of this show is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for veterinary care. This podcast doesn't constitute a provider-patient relationship. As always, talk to your doctor, veterinarian, or healthcare provider first before starting anything new, and that includes herbs. I'm not a doctor, and I don't treat disease or prescribe anything. I'm a traditional herbalist providing herbal support education only. Regarding any products I may suggest, the statements made regarding these products have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All information presented here on the podcast is not meant as a substitute or alternative to information from your vet. Please consult your veterinary professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product.